Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. It's a really warm and sunny early summer day today, so of course we're going to PEI. We're also going mobile this week, so you won't hear our usual studio sound, but please bear with us. I'm actually recording from a senior's housing complex today as I'm on the road to help care for an elderly parent who's having some health challenges, and of course many of you know what that's like. But being on the road also lets me connect with other rural communities and and get new episode ideas for the weeks ahead, so stay tuned for that. Today we're taking a deep dive on immigration, specifically new Canadian entrepreneurs and investors, and how we can connect them with rural communities and introduce them to the outstanding business people and opportunities of rural Canada. We found a terrific model for that with the PEI Connectors program, and we're very pleased to have Nicole Belfleur with us today. She's Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Greater Charlottetown Area Chamber of Commerce, and she leads the Connectors program. Hello, Nicole, and welcome to Rural Spark. Well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Nicole, I'm wondering how significant is immigration to PEI's economic development right now? I've heard great things. I've heard that it's actually making a, a huge difference in recent years. And how is it being nurtured? Well, immigration is indeed uh, important to PEI's population growth plan. In recent years, we've seen a big, it's made a big difference. Um, our population has now exceeded. 150,000 people. And um, a couple of years ago, our population actually, the age went down, which is significant. As you know, like a lot of small places, we have an aging population. And so to see that median age go down was significant. Um, And so it has been something that the province has been pursuing, along with a couple of other initiatives. So in addition to immigration, there's been a big push to encourage people who are from PEI to come home. And there's also been a lot of recruitment from UPEI and Holland College to bring international students here. And of course, there's also a focus on retention, encouraging people to stay here. So immigration is part of a a bigger plan and uh, we've seen significant gains there. Terrific. What countries Mm -hmm. are primarily, um, if we look at the group of immigrant entrepreneurs and potential Mm -hmm. investors, what countries are they mostly coming from? Well, so PEI Connectors started in 2011, and initially, a large portion of our client base came from China, with the second most popular country of origin being Iran. Now, in the last couple of years, we've seen a big shift, where China is still the main country of origin for our client base, but we've seen a big uptake from um, people from Vietnam. Uh, And they've now exceeded the number of people that we serve from Iran. So where it would have been China, at around 75% and then Iran around 20. We're now seeing about 60% Chinese clients, about 15 to 20% Vietnamese, and then the remaining from a number of different countries. That's really interesting. And when we look at Canada as a country and we look at what might appeal to um, potential immigrants, you know, we think of Toronto and we think of some of the bigger centers and, and, you know, PEI is relatively small in population and geography, of course, in Canada. What is it about Prince Edward Island that's appealing to these valuable immigrants? Well, certainly up until the fall, the provincial nominee program was a very attractive stream for anyone who wanted to come in as an entrepreneur. As a destination, it it is 
something unique where a number of our clients would have originally gravitated towards the bigger centers. But there was, as I said, PEI was really pursuing immigration. It was a very attractive pathway for people to come here. And so I think that drew a lot of people who wanted to come as entrepreneurs. Terrific. And we often... Um think about modifying our programs, I guess, as we go along, but I'm wondering how long this Connections, the PEI Connections program has existed, and how has that evolved? PEI Connectors started in 2011. It was actually modeled after the Halifax Connectors program, so the twist on it was that Halifax Connectors really focused on providing networking service for job seekers, whereas PEI Connectors took that model but tweaked it so that it would serve entrepreneurs. And the reason it started was that the Greater Charlottetown Area Chamber of Commerce, seeing that the province was recruiting a lot of people to come here as entrepreneurs, really felt that people who were going to come, where they were making a commitment to start a business here, really needed some support. So you can imagine if you're immigrating to a new country and you've made a commitment that you're going to start a business, where would you even begin as a newcomer in that country? You don't know anybody. You don't know about the local business community, the business environment, the business culture. You don't know about regulations and permits and licenses. Who do you talk to about securing space for your business, suppliers? So these were some of the pressures that, that newcomer entrepreneurs were facing when they moved here. And that's why the Greater Charlottetown Area Chamber of Commerce decided that they needed to offer a service. So it launched PEI Connectors in 2011, and it was a small program when it first started. And in fact, it really only had part-time staff at that point. And so between 2011 and 2019, where we are today, we now have three full-time program officers who are based in Charlottetown. Two of them are Chinese, so they can serve our clients in Mandarin and in Cantonese. We have a third gentleman who's from Iran, so he can serve clients uh, in Persian. He speaks a bit of Arabic, and he can serve, of course, everyone else in English. We also have two regional program officers, one based in Western PEI who works 20 hours a week, and she really focuses on recruiting immigrants to do business in Western PEI. And then we've got someone doing the same thing in Eastern PEI who works for us 15 hours a week. So they provide that, that rural, regional specialty that we might not be able to have in Charlottetown. So we've got a team of three full-time people in Charlottetown, two part-time people in the regions, and then myself also working full-time overseeing it based in Charlottetown. So the program has really grown quite a bit. We are funded by Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada on the federal side and the Provincial Department of Economic Development and Tourism. We also get some funding from the city of Summerside. All of our services are provided free of charge. We do have a provincial mandate, so there is sometimes some confusion there when people see that the program is originating out of Charlottetown. They wonder what we're doing outside of Charlottetown, but we do have a mandate to serve all of PEI. Terrific. And of course, it's those regional outreach efforts and the staff you have there and what they're doing that most interests us on Rural Spark. I, I did come across some articles that sounded really interesting about how you're actually introducing rural PEI to um, would-be immigrants and immigrant investors, business people who come from other countries. I think we all often associate, even once you get them to come to PEI, we would automatically, I think, of Charlottetown, maybe Summerside to a lesser extent. But of course, there's such a, a vibrant rural uh, community across the island. And you 
you have some innovative ways of actually making sure these immigrants who have business interests are actually directly relating to some of those communities, some of the things that are happening there, and some of the individuals that are making them happen. So, so tell us a little bit about how you actually take these new Canadians and introduce them to rural PEI. Well, I think what, what we found is that a lot of people, a lot of our clients coming from large centers would come to Charlottetown. They would already be in a much smaller place than they were accustomed to. And so to them, the idea of going into a smaller community than Charlottetown was something they would really question is, is it even possible? Is a business viable outside of Charlottetown, which is already very, very small? And so what we wanted to do was show them that indeed there are businesses that are not only viable in rural PEI, they're thriving and doing very, very well, um, not only on, in the local market, but on the global stage. So it's a matter of, of creating that awareness that you don't need to be in Charlottetown to succeed in business in PEI, um, and then showing them how that's done. So we uh, received funding from the provincial government to run five business development bus tours during our program year, which is from April 1st to March 31st. And the point of these bus tours is to take a group of people out to beyond Charlottetown um, and introduce them to businesses that are thriving, which is eye-opening. I mean, even as an islander, um, I learn a lot on these tours. So we go in, we learn about these businesses that are doing really well. Uh, we spend the morning visiting two or three businesses. We go somewhere for lunch. And then the afternoon session is all about introducing them to the business support programs that are available to help them so that if they do decide that they're going to run a business outside of Charlottetown, they know they're not alone. So we bring in the local chamber of commerce, uh, we bring in the, the rural action centers, we bring in the CBDCs, we bring in any economic development group that might be available in that local area to talk about all the support programs that they have and to also create some networking opportunities. Then we'll invite some other local business owners uh, to come in and talk about what challenges they might have faced running a business in rural PEI and how they overcame those challenges. We'll also run a mini workshop on a topic that's relevant to what we've covered in, during that day. And then we end off the day with a networking session where we invite members of the local business community to come in, meet with our clients, so that by the time we come back to Charlottetown later that day, our clients not only have some information, but they've also got some contacts. And what we find is that once you've opened the door and introduced people to a destination or to some key contacts, they will then ask us to set up one-on-one -on -one meetings with some of the people that they've met. So it, it really just opens that door and creates the awareness and sparks an interest. Terrific. And there are some you know, wonderful success stories and, and things you're not expecting from rural PEI. And you and I talked last week a little bit about these, but can you give our listeners an example or two of some of the things, some of the entrepreneurs and enterprises that these visitors might meet along the way and how, how impressed they are with those? Well, one of the stories that I love to share is a, a company called Bohemian Findings, which was started by a, a couple from Ontario, actually, who uh, were retiring to St. Peter's, PEI, population 300, St. Peter's Bay. The, their story is that they were just looking to sell some beads that they had 
you know, they had around their home. And so they, that was right around the time Etsy was taking off. And so they opened an Etsy store. I don't think they're on Etsy anymore, but when we visited them last year in St. Peter's, so in May of 2018, at that time, they were the largest Etsy store in the world. And they were shipping upwards of 700 orders a day out of what was the St. Peter's school, which had been closed. It was, you know, classic story of small school that gets closed in rural PEI and the community decided to take it over, turn it into a business complex. And so this Etsy store was renting space. It's called Bohemian Finding. So they were, they were renting space out of the St. Peter's school and shipping 700 orders a day. So that's a, a really good example of a business that was thriving, to say the least, in rural PEI. And so when we brought our clients there that day, it was really eye-opening to see that, you know, for an e-commerce store, you don't need to be in the center. You can be in rural PEI, rural anywhere, really, and really goes to show that you, you can succeed and that there's a lot of interest from the community in really helping that business grow. We also shared a story of an, one of our clients, actually, Jessica and Mike Fritz, who moved to PEI from Germany, um, and they opened a marzipan store called Maritime Marzipan, and they were selling online initially, working out of that same shop, the, the um, or the same complex, business complex in St. Peter's. So they were making marzipan, they were selling it at local markets, then this year, just about a week ago, they opened up a cafe in St. Peter's. So they've created jobs, they're now giving people driving through St. Peter's a reason not to just drive through, but to actually stop, spend some money. Um, and so that's good for the community to have people stopping at this little landing, they call it in St. Peter's. They have a coffee, they buy some marzipan. So that's creating jobs, it's creating awareness. Um, and this is a couple who moved here very recently. And one of the things we asked them was who helped you along the way? And they named different connectors, we call them different people in the business community, who really helped show them the ropes, helped them get established, gave them opportunities, and, and it really made a difference to them. And so that's something that we really drive home with the local business community is that if we want business, uh, immigrant entrepreneurs to succeed in business and PEI, we've got to be there to lend a hand. That might mean making introductions, that might mean showing them the ropes, it, helping them with, you know, navigate where they need to get, where they need to go to get what they need. And that's really important, especially in rural PEI. You've got to show that support. Yeah, and you were mentioning, Nicole, that uh, sometimes businesses that actually could be in competition with someone mm -hmm. interested in starting something new, they're actually, they've been quite willing to they, you know, been, sit yeah. down. Very willing. Um, I've only had one person, I've been managing this program for four years, and so we've made lots and lots of connections. And I've only had one person say, well, no, why would I help somebody who's going to open a business that will compete with mine? Most of the people that we approach and say, would you mind um, meeting with our clients? They're interested in opening a business similar to yours, or we think you might have some great knowledge, um, or even just kind of share what it's like, what, what, what it's like to be in this business and what are some of the challenges and what are some of the potential pitfalls or what to watch out for. We find that everybody is, is very willing to meet with our clients. There's no commitment. It's like just one cup of coffee. Now, they may decide to meet again later. They may become friends. They may even become partners down the way. But all we're asking is, would you meet with this person once? And so, you know, I've got a lady 
an Iranian lady actually who is interested in opening um, gourmet, uh, baking gourmet cupcakes from home. So, you know, I've reached out to some people that I know who are doing home-based baking and cooking and online businesses to find out, you know, would you, would you mind meeting with her and just telling her how that works? Like what was involved in getting your kitchen certified and approved and licensed? What is it like to take orders for baked goods online and ship them and just, you know, explain what it's like to run that business. And, you know, it, it might help her along the way, give her some contacts. Absolutely. Uh, that's terrific. Uh, the community really stepping up because of course a program like yours and the staff that's uh, funded like yours, you can't do it on your own. You really need that kind of culture behind it. I'm wondering, Nicole, what some of the feedback that you're receiving from the PEI Connectors program and those bus trips in particular, mm-hmm. what kind of feedback are you, uh, are you receiving from the new Canadians who are taking part? Well, the response to our bus tours is overwhelming. The, the, one of the buses, bus tours that we did in May of this year, they, they all fill up, first of all, really quick. It's 55 passenger bus. So they fill up really fast. And for one of the tours, we had a 58 person waiting list. And so I guess the challenge for us with these bus tours is we hate to say no. Uh, you know, we wish we could fill every request to come. The challenge, though, is when we stop for lunch in different places, in these small towns, we don't always have the capacity to say, well, you know, if we could take a second bus, where would we feed everybody for lunch? Or where would, where would we go for these afternoon presentations? That's sort of the, the limitation. You know, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, I can build a case for, let's bring a second bus out on that day, but I, we just don't always have a place where we can feed everybody. And so the response is extremely enthusiastic. It also creates almost like a a sense of community among the participants because we do run several of these bus tours and, and we also do have events beyond the bus tours in the regions where there is no transportation but we find the people who come they almost form it's almost like a cohort that they form amongst themselves and they get to know each other and so where it might be really hard for somebody from China to meet somebody from Iran they do meet each other on these bus tours and like-minded people gravitate towards each other. And that's good. That's also good for business. It's good for integration. So they're not only making connections in these communities, they're making connections amongst themselves. And so these bus tours are extremely popular. So that's kind of like, and there's always unintended benefits. You might have yeah. your direct, your direct focus of why you're doing this, but I hadn't thought of that either. Like that's a tremendous thing to build this. If you're all day, I guess, on a bus tour all day and evening with a group of people mm-hmm. um, stopping and having meals together and that sort of thing. Yeah. You're going to get to know each other and PEI is not that big and um, they can stay in touch. And like you say, someone from Iran or someone from China might not uh, otherwise have opportunities to engage and share. And, and they're all entrepreneurial, right? And they're all interested in investing in the community. So uh, yeah, that's a tremendous side benefit. And, and something else that we did, just this is the first time we tried this was one of our other tours in May, was we have a sister program called PEI Network, which um, is almost more like the Halifax Connectors program in that we do help uh, international students and recent grads and professionally trained immigrants connect to, well, build connections with the goal of that they will connect to the labor market and find jobs here. And so the rationale to bring a bus on that same day with a group of international students was, international students often come here and they don't have a car. So if you don't have a car, you're sort of limited to where the bus can take you in Charlottetown. 
And so you might want to stay in PEI, but you might not have a way to really explore all these communities beyond Charlottetown. So a second bus was hired for that same day. They did a different route than we did and went to eat somewhere else. But we all got together for a networking event at the end of the day at a new brewery in Montague. And what we're hoping to do, we're doing another one of these in the fall, and the hope is that we're not only connecting entrepreneurs with each other, we're also connecting entrepreneurs, international students, job seekers, people who have similar interests. So we might have a student who's interested in tourism. We might have an entrepreneur who's interested in opening a tourism-related business. We might have a local person who's involved in the tourism industry. So it might not be that they're all entrepreneurs or they're all students, they're all job seekers, but they're all like-minded people. And we think that if we bring that, all these people together, that's where the magic could happen. Yeah, and I think magic's a good word uh, for what's happening in PEI in this area. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Nicole, for sharing this with us, because I think there's other, other areas of the country that might be interested in how they can expand their um, new Canadian uh, liaison and uh, outreach into the rural areas and share some of those success stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, particularly when you talk about like-minded individuals and getting the students and the entrepreneurs who come from other countries together, we, you know, in Atlantic Canada, and especially, I think, because a lot of international students coming in Atlantic Canada, but across Canada, I think the rural communities really are looking at those international students and how can we how can we a lot of them would like to stay right if we well, just they, yeah they do want to stay and the key is to get them introduced to these communities before they graduate so and that can be a bit of a challenge on the scheduling side because during the school year they're in school but if there's a way that you can provide the means so provide the transportation and the connections in these communities you know in the fall before they graduate because once once people have graduated um, you know if they haven't got a plan or or a job offer it's, it's hard to justify staying sometimes they may want to stay but if if they don't have a job it's hard to do that so you want to start building that awareness and those connections in the fall of the year working around their school schedule somehow but really getting them outside of of town or getting them outside of the city center so that they can learn about different small communities. Students are also going to be, you know, wondering about jobs. They're going to be wondering about housing and entrepreneurs are probably wondering about schools. And so it's sort of the bigger picture of what does this community have to offer. Absolutely. And thanks again, Nicole, for being with us on Rural Spark today and sharing these stories. And uh, let's stay in touch from time to time and see um, where there's some some success stories happening. And and we'd be happy to profile some of those innovative businesses that are in, in rural PEI. Right. Well, let's stay connected. Okay. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.